So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Hi. Before we kick off the show, we just want to send a huge thank you to just a few of our amazing Patreon supporters. Thomas Fenyens, David Peter, Ruben, Dimitri, Richard Van Leesum, Cheyenne Aerosmith, Marcus Vinter, Pete H., Macaulay McCulkin, and Scotia. Thank you all. Your support really helps us. If you want to join our Patreon community, check us out at smashingsecurity.com forward slash Patreon. And they are giving people a red baseball cap with white writing on it. (laughs) And a and a white T-shirt bearing an American eagle with the old star and stripes. No, no crazy orange hair pieces. No, <laughs> don't give people ideas, John. <laughs> I know what you're like. A really long time. <laughs> Smashing security, episode one hundred and eighty-five. Bieber fever, Roblox, and ransomware with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 185. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And Carol, we've got a special guest this week. Who is it, pray tell? It's someone who's been on a number of times before. Mr. John Haas. Mr. John Haas, thank you so much for coming back on. Hello, Carol. Hello, Graham. Nice to be here. Hi. Thank you very much for coming back to Smashing Security Towers for yet another... Well, actually, it's virtual, of course. Virtual Not Towers. Actually. Yes, we. <laughs> it's always been virtual, though. It's not like we're on trend here. We're just uh... same old, same old. <laughs> oh, you're getting bored? Well, no, no, I'm not bored at all. It's not like I've been cramped up in my podcast pleasure palace for four months or anything like that. No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. What's going on in your world, John? Anything interesting? Uh, well, apart from not having left the house for six months, pretty much the same as everybody else, I think. Six months? Are you Father Christmas? <laughs> I've seen that beard of yours. Has it gone white? You know, I'm I'm an early adopter. (laughs) What's coming up on the show this week, Carol? Well, first, thanks to this week's sponsors, Authenticate and LastPass. Their support help us give you this show for free. Now, on today's show, Graham explains why the latest Roblox hack is so unusual. John reveals which U.S. university just paid what might be the biggest ransomware fee ever. And I talk Pizzagate because it's back. 
with a Z-Gen makeover. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, we were alluding to it in our introduction, but what a ridiculous year it's been. So full of news, news, news. I started off the year in Australia, of all places, where bushfires were going on left, right and centre, horrendous. And then we had Megxit. I, I imagine you're both still quite upset about Megxit. These were you? certainly, these were last year's dramas. These well, are, they, they I think carried, they were attributing they, uh, 2019 no, no. dramas to 2020. <laughs> and I think 2020 is pretty shit. So I the bushfires carried this. on till 2020, and Megxit is when they actually left. Mm-hmm. And Britain has not been the same since, since Meghan and Harry left. We've really missed them. We also got Brexit done as well, remember? Oh, that's true. Yes. Now it's all been done and it's all sorted. Uh, nothing more to worry about there. We had Trump's uh, first impeachment. I say first because I'm hoping there may be another one still to come. <laughs> Global pandemic and lockdown, of course. I doubt you've even noticed that. Protests around the world after George Floyd's death. Hundreds of billions of locusts. Did you hear that story about the locust swarms? Yes, Ooh. not good. Not, not good for food good. production at all. Not good at all. And Tiger King came <clears throat> out on Netflix. I have not watched that. I refuse. I refuse. Really? Yep. <laughs> Is it the mullets? I've, I listened to a podcast uh, from Wondery on it a few years ago, and that was enough for me. Well, if that wasn't crazy enough, things have just got a whole load crazier because somebody is hacking Roblox accounts to get kids to persuade their parents to vote in a particular direction in the US presidential race. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. That's okay, what's happening. make your case. Make your case. So, <laughs> oh my so God. Roblox, of course, is an, an immensely popular online gaming platform. 100 million users. You have little Lego men. And you create your games and you publish them for other people to play. Anyone of any age can play it. There's no age limit. But it's really for tweenies and young teens. I think they're the biggest market. Like, does your son play this? He doesn't. He would love to play Roblox. Oh, but you don't let him yet because he's too young? Well, there's just some nasty stuff which goes on on Roblox. I think we'd have to police it quite a lot. However, these hackers are breaking into accounts. They're taking over accounts. And one of the things you can do with Roblox is you can customise your gaming experience. So just like with Fortnite or with Animal Crossing even, Mm -hmm. uh, you can buy items and skins you can change the appearance of your in-game character you can give them t-shirts and hats and other accessories now what the hackers are doing in the last week or so is they're breaking into roblox accounts and they're not doing it as far as we can tell to make money Mm -hmm. what they're doing is they're modifying players profiles and specifically according to the report in bleeping computer who did some research into this they are changing people's profiles to say in the about section, ask your parents to vote for Trump this year. Hashtag MAGA 2020. <laughs> is that make America great again? See, I didn't even know that. It is, yes. Does that really work? Yeah. Well, mummy, mummy, can you vote for President Trump, please? Well, I was going to vote for Joe Biden, but now... <laughs> Thanks, now- little Richie. <laughs> As I do everything that you want me to do, because you are my spoilt child, I'll also vote that the way you want. It's astonishing, isn't it? It's incredible. Okay, so do we have any information on who might be behind it? We don't know who's behind this. My guess is, Kroll. The Russians. 
uh, <laughs> my guess is it's someone who supports Donald Trump. So that narrows it down. Well, you see, it could be, it could be, um, what's it called? Uh, like a double bluff. Oh, I see. Right? Like a Joe job. Yeah. Is that what it's called? A Joe job? Well, a Joe job is where you you do something naughty, but you make it look as though someone else did something naughty. Oh, I've done And then that they thing. get the blame for it. It happens ah. sometimes with spam campaigns. I just wonder, like right, if the people behind this might be actually not wanting Trump to win so that the kids go up to mom and dad and say, please vote for Trump, daddy. Please vote for Trump, mummy. And they go, outrageous. No, I will not. Why did you say that? I'm definitely voting Biden. You're not a parent, are you, girl? Uh, <laughs> no. That's, I, I, don't, what? I don't what did I get wrong on that? I just simply don't know if the child nagging them to vote one way would actually get them to vote either for that person or no, against No, I don't think person. it would be them. I think it would be the outrage that the Trump campaign might have used this method to convince them. Because mm. presumably oh, as, soon as, as soon as a child asks this, they're going to say, where did you get that from? And oh. they will show them. That's an interesting theory because, I mean, that would, of course, increase the potential pool of perpetrators, wouldn't it? And it obviously has to be someone with some time on their hands. And I'm thinking, that Hillary Clinton, she's had a lot of time on it. I mean, she's sorted out her email server now. Maybe How weird she's you brought that up because she's coming up in my story. Oh, well. is she? Is she a special guest later yeah. in the show? Yes, yes. She, she had nothing to do, so I called her up and said, "We should Dude. drop her a line, shouldn't we? Yeah. We should get her on the show." Now, the hackers aren't just changing Roblox profiles to say. Tell your parents to vote for Trump, MAGA 2020. They are also buying online clothes for the character who they've hacked, for the player. And they are giving people a red baseball cap with white <laughs> writing on it. <laughs> and, a, and a white T-shirt bearing an American eagle with the old star and stripes. They haven't got, they haven't got obviously, a T-shirt with a Confederate flag. Uh, so it's just, it's just the traditional star and stripes. No, no crazy orange hair pieces. No. <laughs> I bet that's possible. It must be, surely. Don't give people ideas, John. <laughs> I know what you're like. A really long tie. <laughs> Over 1,000 accounts appear to have already been hacked. And I wondered whether we mm. might see rival hackers try and fight back. Because rather like sometimes hackers will create a botnet of compromised computers and get them to do their bidding. This is where hackers have taken over Roblox profiles, effectively. Maybe we could see hackers who maybe support the Democrats or, hacking into Roblox Or too. maybe we could see Roblox actually strengthen their security. Well, is it really Roblox's fault, I wonder? Well, let me ask some questions. Do right. they have multi-factor authentication available? They do have, uh, yeah, it's two-step verification. They have that available. But, of course, mm. is the typical 11-year-old kid going to have turned it is on? Is it on by default? Or do you have to go into some weird setting to go enable it? I'm not a Roblox user. I'm pretty sure it's not turned on by default, just hmm. as in most of the world it isn't, of course. So uh, you do have to go to some effort and you have to find out. And what we'll do is we'll put in a link in the show notes as to how to turn on your two-step verification. You should also make your password unique and hard to crack. It appears that these are people who've had easy-to-crack passwords. Sure. You also should log off when you're not playing Roblox. So tell your kids to do that as well. And that prevents... I'm not suggesting it's the kid next to you who's changing profiles to say this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, You're not blaming little Jimmy. No, kid. no. But if but if Hillary Clinton comes up to you pretending to be mm -hmm. a kid 
and reaches for your laptop. It could, of course, be her. Don't be tricked into entering your username and password into an in-game form because these games can actually present forms to you, which might appear to be a dialogue from the real Roblox. And some kids are tricked uh, because what they all want to do, of course, is they want free Robux. Robux is the currency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know... we say, yeah, because, of course, we know... Well, no, we've and, covered it before in the show as well. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and we're familiar with Animal Crossing Bells, of course. Lots of kids are after free Robux and prizes and cheats or membership of the Builders Club. And again, they will install programs or browser extensions to try and get hold of them. Yeah. And their computer is compromised. Now, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be interesting if we did see rival hackers? No. Well, here's what they could do, Crow, right? So these hackers are giving people baseball caps and American Eagle T-shirts. What if people came in and gave them all face masks, right? Mm. So if you're going to one of those Trump rallies, maybe there's an online rally inside Roblox. At least you'd all be protected from each other and not spreading disease. Did did children have rallies? That was Hitler Youth, wasn't it? (laughs) They probably had a get-together. I mean, what what is a rally? It's just like a meeting in a scout hut, isn't it? It's kind of gross that kids are being targeted, though. It, like, for, from who, whoever is behind this, you know, the fact that they're actually targeting kids is pretty yucky, in my view. It is. I mean, it, it's quite possibly a 14-year-old kid who's doing it as well. I have a feeling that today's 14-year-olds know a lot more than I did at 14. Well, Crow, there's some things I hope that you... <laughs> some <Sorry>. things... <laughs> so what were you trying to say? What insults are you trying to land there, awkwardly? <laughs> I was just going to say, I hope there's some kids who don't know what you knew at 14. That's all I was going to say, Carl. Oh, well, I didn't know you. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Excellent. Excellent. And uh, let's move. John, what's your story for us this week? So all of the big headlines for the last couple of days have been about a U.S. university which has paid out over a million dollars to ransom wearers. Mm. So this is the University of California in San Francisco, which is basically the medical part of the University of California. So like a major medical research center. It's got a major teaching hospital attached. Okay. So a few weeks ago, several ransomware groups said because of the pandemic, we're going to be nice and not go after hospitals and uh, universities who are researching to try and cure this. And by not attacking them, we're going to save the world, which was very nice of them. But then the lockdown dragged on a bit and they were thinking, oh, crikey, we need bored. They got bored. We still need to make some money. Maybe we can just infect a few hospitals. They didn't really care so much. Well, and also I think the the group that's supposedly behind this, which is known as NetWalker, they were were not part of that announcement anyway. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I mean, the UCSF. That's the university, right? The University of California, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, They claim that none of their COVID-related research was affected and also that no patient info was leaked. But um, obviously, it's very hard to be sure on these things. It seems like they were madly running around the building, pulling plugs on servers when they they noticed this was happening. So it's hard to tell where it uh, all got stopped. Were they complacent with security, do you know? Or were they just targeted? It's it's very difficult to tell. Universities and hospitals, this is why we've had so many stories about ransomware in those kinds of settings recently. They're very big, diverse organizations. They tend to have lots of different kinds of hardware and software that they need to run on Mm. some kind of ancient machines in some places. And it's very difficult to keep all that secured. 
which is why they're big fat targets for uh, nasty people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They've been quite good on the communication side. I mean, the actual attack was on June the 1st, and they made a very clear statement on, I think, June the 3rd, and a couple more since. And the last one, which was last week, is the one that revealed that they had actually made this payment. Uh, Whoa, was, so they admitted to making an over $1 million yes. payment. Mm-hmm. So somehow the BBC learned about this thanks to an anonymous tip. And they had access to the actual negotiations that were going on with the ransomware people. Oh, really? Yes. Not really quite clear how it worked out that somebody gave them all the details of the... So what kind of things were they saying? Well, it's very interesting. So I've not seen any of this side of it before at all. You know, in movies, if someone if there's a ransom, you <laughs> yeah. kind of expect, you know, cutting, Mel Gibson. Out, cutting out bits of newspapers or at least going to a, a payphone and putting a hanky over the mouthpiece. <laughs> That's right. Oh, but, yeah. Um, you can't kidnap someone without a hanky over the mouthpiece. doesn't count. Of course not. In the modern age, so apparently they have a dark web website complete with FAQs and a web chat system. These are the ransom guys. Yeah. Right. So they, uh, apparently you go to the site, you enter your code that you were given in your ransom note, and that connects you with an operator and you can have a little <laughs> online chat. You're just in the queue. Please wait. <laughs> we'll get around to you. All of our operators are busy at the moment. This is not the first time we've talked about kind of malware and attacks like this actually operating like corporations. Well, it's properly professional business, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that's, the, that's the message everyone needs to learn. It's, it looks very slick. So the BBC has actually published a, a bunch of the, the conversation, although only the, the ransomware side, not the university side. It's very interesting to see how the, the conversation develops and the sort of language they use. Tell us some of it. So the UCSF, they were asked for three million and they came in with an opening bid of 780,000 which mm -hmm. seemed like a pretty high starting point. I would have probably come in with nothing. That to me says right away they want to pay a million. Yeah, it does. It's basically giving away that you're willing to pay a lot. If they come back and said, uh, how about $780? <laughs> or, or how about just giving us our stuff back and not being bad people? Yeah. But the thing is with this ransomware is that there was a ticking countdown as well. So there was yes. an urgency on the university's part mm -hmm, to do mm -hmm. something about this, not only because they've been doing coronavirus research and looking into possible treatments there, but also because it was possible their data would either be permanently deleted or published for everyone to see. Yes. So when they, when they, they, they made this 780,000 offer, the, the response was, keep that 780K to buy McDonald's for your employees. <laughs> John, could you do that in a sort of kidnapper voice? That was my kidnapper voice. Okay. Good good to know for future reference. <laughs> so I worked out, apparently there's 25,000 people working at the UCSF, so they could have all had seven Big Macs each and still had change for a few drinks. Is it even possible to eat seven Big Macs in one single day? Yes. Uh, yes. Yes? Yes. I could not do that. You need to try harder. Um, I, you know, also, I imagine, given that most of them are probably health professionals, they would... They would they would rather die than put that poison into their stomachs. Good yes. for them. Yeah. We're in lockdown, Kroll. Everyone needs a hobby. I think you can try and do it before we, before we have it eaten. Yeah, no, you just want me to die. Jeez. Anyway, so after a day or two of this chat, it went back and forth sort of messages every few hours, they uh -huh. finally settled on this $1.14 million, which the UCSF paid in Bitcoin the next wow. day. Wow. And uh, I, and my first thought was, A, is that the highest ransomware ever? Because I couldn't remember hearing of anything, anything like that high. Mm -hmm. And also, that seems like a very odd amount. 
It wasn't even exactly 1.1, it was like 1.147. Oh, but did you divide it by the price of Bitcoin on that particular day? Maybe it's it was something it. oh, like maybe it's in it. X yes, thousand Bitcoin. Well, again, it's. I think it was like 116.4 Bitcoin. It wasn't a round number of Bitcoin either, no. although it, maybe it was the day before or something. Yeah, maybe. But what I did find, so I looked what the biggest payouts ever, mm. and there was one in 2017 made by a South Korean web hosting firm who paid out a million dollars, which is widely listed as the biggest one ever. <laughs> but if you then look back at the stories from the time, they quote it as 1.3 billion won, which right. at the time was $1.14 million. Oh, interesting, John. So it sounds John. like they knew that, and they have deliberately refused to budge until it went to the highest ever, or at least publicly released. Obviously, there's going to be some that were kept secret that could easily be higher than that. So Netwalker have got this quite professional criminal organisation where they have people online available to chat with you if you happen to be a victim of that. Do you think one of their operators thought, I'm going to really impress the boss. I'm going to mm -hmm. hold out until I can go back to my bosses and say, hey, I've brought in actually the biggest ransom ever. So I'm, I'm aiming for that amount. I think that's very possible. Yes. This is a really big problem, though, because they have basically um, financially incentivized a bunch of bad guys. Yes. Okay, but there's there's a couple of things. So uh, as a general principle, I agree, you shouldn't pay criminals for this kind of thing, and it just encourages them to launch more attacks. However, there is a global pandemic going on, and this is a, a um, these are medical researchers who are working on trying to find better treatments for COVID-19. So that increases mm. the urgency. Mm -hmm. And there was the risk that this data would be released in public and maybe endangering other people's privacy as well. And so I think under those circumstances, you may think, well, just to be up and running as quickly as possible, no, maybe I, we need I, to I be a bit more... I completely understand that. Is that enough, though, to say, here, bad guys, here is a million dollars? Well, that's also, that's the other side of this is for a long time, we've been saying, oh, ransomware, if as long as you've got good backups, you don't have to pay out, you can just restore and you'll be fine. Yeah. But more and more of them nowadays are actually taking stuff away as well and saying, yeah. okay, either pay the ransom and you'll get your stuff back and we'll delete our copy of it, or we will release this and you'll be destroyed. But in a way, they've almost sort of doubled the uncertainty around paying the ransom because in the past, you, you pay the ransom and you might get the decryption keys. And now it's you pay the ransom, you might get the decryption keys. They might delete their copy. They almost certainly won't. They might just not release it for a little while. But you've kind of stretched that likelihood of it being released further down the road. And you've told them that you're willing to pay lots of money to them. I don't know. I think if I was the criminal who'd stolen the data and I had been paid, I think in order to make my future attacks more successful, I wouldn't mm. release the data. At a later time, I wouldn't double cross. Or you because, just change your name. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, but you might change your mind in 10 years or 20 years. Mm. I mean, you may be 20 years old right now and have successfully done this, right? And storage is cheap. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you used to say, oh, all these guys, they're all mostly script kiddies writing little viruses, because back then it was mostly true. Ain't true anymore, sunshine. No, not true. And as John just said, we used to say the answer is backups and Sure, you should have backups, but actually these days, prevention is the thing which you need. You want this to stop happening in the first place. The main way in for most of these attacks is almost always some kind of phishing. It's a, mm -hmm. an email mm -hmm. either tricking you into handing over usernames and passwords or 
to running some something nasty on your machine that starts it all off. So I think that probably the biggest step towards reducing this kind of problem is, is going to be better fishing prevention. Yeah, but also have backups. Yeah, and also have backups. Jeez. <laughs> Crow, what have you got for us? Well, Clue, I'm going to talk about a serious topic this week. And so you can rest easy that I will not be funnier than you this week. Okay. But first, I think you should come clean. Do you want to tell everybody? About what? Well, about your secret love affair with Piers Morgan and Sean Hannity. What are you talking about? Why? why? No, seriously, don't you think our wonderful listeners have the right to know the truth? <laughs> what? <laughs> right now, if I carried on with this. Please don't. It could, it could cause a lot of problems for your life, right? Yes. And... That is why I'm talking about Pizzagate. And you'd say, why Pizzagate? Wasn't Pizzagate that conspiracy theory that reared its head during the Clinton email scandal? Yes. That was insane, wasn't it? It was. What do you remember about it? Do you remember it? Well, I remember it wasn't a conspiracy involving the use of pineapple on pizza. It was (laughs) that there was some kind of child trafficking pedophile ring running out of a Washington pizza parlor. Uh, which was yeah, it's like a be- friend of Podesta's brother right. who runs this and, and, pizza place. <laughs> yeah, and crazy QAnon people were sort of spreading stuff and photographs, and eventually some nutter turned up there with a gun. And yeah. just general internet insanity. Basically, 2020 was happening a couple of years ago. With yeah, Pizza 2016, Gate. actually. Right. <laughs> so, so at the time, after this all happened, fact-checkers debunked the conspiracy. And we might have thought that it might just disappear because it really seemed to be all around the kind of Podesta Clinton emails, which is no longer uh, the flavor du jour, is that we have much bigger fish to fry these days. So the question is, how does a four-year-old scandal show up today? There were more than 80 million views of TikTok videos with Pizzagate-related hashtags in the last few months. 80 million. (laughs) According to New York Times journalist Shira Frankel, younger people on TikTok have made, and other social media platforms, Mm. have made Pizzagate more relatable by roping in celebrities that they know, like Justin Bieber. Right. So I'm going to tell you this conspiracy as far as I understand it, because of course, with all conspiracies, there's a lot of twists and turns to keep everyone out of being able to tie it all together. That's part of the the, the joy of conspiracies. But the gist seems to be a documentary promoting Pizzagate, which was called Out of the Shadows, was made by a former Hollywood stuntman, and it was released on YouTube earlier this year. Okay. It was passed around in the QAnon community. And in May, the idea that Mr. Bieber was connected to the conspiracy surfaced. Okay, so this was in May, two months ago. Right. Later that month, Justin Bieber was doing an Instagram video with commenters. You know, when people can kind of write questions and you answer the questions and you interact with people. Oh, it's like a live chat. Like a live Instagram chat, something. Okay. And someone had posted the comment asking Justin to touch his hat if he had been a victim of the child trafficking ring known as Pizzagate. Right. And four minutes into the video, Justin Bieber leans into the camera and adjusts the front of his black knit beanie. And for some, 
not an insignificant number of his 130 million followers, this was admission that he had been a victim of the alleged Pizzagate child trafficking ring. Hang on. (laughs) Yes. Hang on. So a few things, right? So they were asking Justin Bieber to give a secret sign if he was somehow involved in this child trafficking ring. Well, well, if he'd been a victim of it, right? Yes, I'm imagining that they understand that he wouldn't want to come forward on his own and he has to do it. Yeah. It wouldn't be that surreptitious, would it, to do it in a public Instagram, having just been asked a few minutes before whether he would touch his hat to give it away, and then he touched his hat. So that's one comment. The second one is, if you're wearing a hat, it's going to be quite hard not to occasionally touch it or to touch your nose. Or if someone says, gives you a knife, it's a bit like we're all saying, Melania blink. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Do not touch your nose. Right, exactly. Don't think of pink elephants, right? You're going to do it. Okay, so tell us more, Carol. Tell us more. <laughs> so the problem, one of the problems that was pointed out by the New York Times reporters was that thousands of comments were flooding in at the time. So there's no evidence, they say, that Bieber saw the message, right? Which I can kind of understand. Oh, you know? so in the live chat, everyone was chatting to him, of course, because he's Justin Bieber. Yeah. And so he probably doesn't see 99.99% of the comments. Okay, right. So, however, the viewers that noticed the hat scratch... Uh, <laughs> went nutso, right? And hundreds of videos online analyzing Mr. Bieber's actions started. Um, they were translated into Spanish, Portuguese, other languages, right? Amassing millions of views. Now, that's different from the original Pizzagate, which really centered in the States, right? It was people in the US election that were really concerned about it. It wasn't really affecting other countries and being translated nearly as much. Fans, in this case, in this in this mm-hmm. Pizzagate Two, uh, fans then left thousands of comments on Bieber's social media post asking if he was safe. Searches for Justin and Pizzagate soared on Google, like hashtag Save Bieber started trending. It's reached levels that it almost exceed the 2016 fever pitch during the elections. Right. Only when contacted by Times did TikTok take steps to mitigate the spread of the hashtag. But in social digital terms, like they categorically missed the boat, right? Like catching it after 80 million shares isn't actually being, you know, on the, on, on the ball well, there. And, and, and even if they, I don't know, mute the hashtag or whatever the phrase is, people are going to read that as, oh, here we go again. Here is deep state. state-controlled, yes, here's deep state media. It also helps stem the, the you know, the spread of the, of the conspiracy. So... Because Facebook and Instagram and Twitter were actually um, strongly uh, rooted in existence when it first happened in 2016, and after the Pizza Gun incident, there were loads of social media stopping like the search for Pizzagate or stopping the hashtags from being used. And so Twitter and Facebook and the like already had some mechanisms to handle it already in place. But TikTok was in its infancy then. It didn't exist. Um, so, so they didn't have any of this. But even if Pizzagate is being stamped on by social media, all someone has to do is start something about pasta goat, for instance, <laughs> right? You can get a goat and you can have some goat meat with pasta. Oh, good. Give them ideas. Right? Good. Well, We're no, I'm not trying ideas. to give them ideas. Yeah. Uh, or, well, you know, well done. Well done. <laughs> Calzone gate. <laughs> John, Graham, you guys. <laughs> okay, now here's my question to you guys. Yes. Right? The big question I have is, once I read about this, I was like, well, what is Justin saying about all this? Right. And mm. as far as I can see, nothing. Now, 
he has 112 million followers on Twitter alone. Okay, that's three times the size of Canada. (laughs) (laughs) The universal measurement of size, yes. Yeah, it's what's the the crawl measurement of big. Three Um, Canada's big, yeah. So I'm guessing, okay, so on one side you could say he's just going to ignore it because it's crazy, right? Doesn't want to get involved in it. And even if he did get involved and say, okay, it didn't happen and you guys have to all stop, they'll be like, oh, you see, he's denying it because he's embarrassed. So I don't think he can get... can he not win by getting involved? But does he win by not no, getting involved? He can't get he can't he can't win because during his video where he says this is all a load of cobblers, he would scratch his nose uh, or he'd stop to bite a piece of pizza while mm-hmm. leaning up against his garden gate. Mm-hmm. Or there'll be something which someone would analyze in the video and say, There, there's a secret message he's embedded in there to tell us what's really going on. Mm. Now I, I don't think just, he can win. Yeah, it's depressing, I think. I actually feel sorry for him. You know? I mean he has been oh. I do. Okay, A, he's Canadian. <laughs> not that's not why I feel sorry for him, but you know, I have more empathy for Canadians. Than I, I feel do sorry other people. for people who are Canadian. And <laughs> and and two, like he has been the butt of viruses, phishing scams since since he was like a young teen. So maybe that's why he keeps quiet about it. It's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Too much. He's jaded, man. Jaded. He probably just thinks that people are idiots. And he probably thinks that all these fanatics, whether they be fans of his music or fans of QAnon or whatever, are just insane. It's better just to keep your head down. I think it would be wrong to assume that everyone who are contributing to this conspiracy are actually uh, buying what they're peddling. I think a lot of them, from what I'm reading, see this a bit as play gaming. It's almost like a community-driven conspiracy mystery storyline. I think it's exciting and fun for a lot of them. And I think they're doing it ironically. Problem is there's loads and loads, like millions, that are not in on the joke. And they're falling for it hook, line, and sinker. At least they're not doing it on Roblox. Well, yes. Yet. (laughs) Yet. 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 It'll Um, come. Yeah, yeah. Fake news is evil shit in my book, right? So shouldn't do it. Doesn't make you any better than the leaders that are contributing to all the disinformation garbage. Anyway, so um, so can we stop it? How do we stop it? Stay true, man. It's the only way. I think cut people's fingers off with bolt cutters and just uh, remove them from the internet. So I ask you again, Graham. Yes. In the interest of honesty, are we going to talk about your secret love affair with Pierce Morgan and Sean Hannity? For goodness' sake! Mm. I'm going to get a hashtag. I wish I'd sorted one out already. (laughs) 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 use a password manager just do it these aren't my words these are the words of brian x chen the lead consumer technology writer at the new york times it's time that everybody uses a password manager both at home and at work now get this last pass from log me in offer businesses a secure vault with centralized secure access single sign-on and simplifies remote management of all these accounts. And guess what, you home users out there? You can get LastPass free. For more info, go to smashingsecurity.com forward slash LastPass. That's smashingsecurity.com forward slash LastPass. 
Solo for Research Toolbox from Authenticate is a secure and anonymous web browsing solution that enables threat intelligence, security and public safety professionals to conduct research, collect evidence and analyse data across the open, deep and dark web. To learn how Silo for Research enables teams to timely and efficiently investigate while ensuring maximum security and oversight to ensure compliance, including GDPR, go to smashingsecurity.com slash authenticate. That's smashingsecurity.com slash authenticate. And that is spelt authentic with a number eight on the end. And welcome back. And you join us on our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. Doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. And my pick of the week this week is not security-related. There is a chap called Mark Rober. He runs a very popular YouTube channel. Uh, and you may have seen his latest video already. It's had millions of views. I own, I'm a bit late to this. I haven't even seen it yet. So <laughs> it's, it's been around for a few weeks, this one. Now, I heard about this particular video on the latest episode of the Fraculous podcast, which I was listening to this morning. Fraculous, of course, stars friend of the show, David McClelland. Yes, when are you coming back on, David? <laughs> and they were talking about this video called Building the Perfect Squirrel Poof. Poof? Perfect Squirrel Poof. <laughs> squirrel Poof, but it's 2020. Building the Perfect Squirrel Proof Bird Feeder. Okay, that's and, a difficult thing. Mm. Well, it, it sounds from the title like it's going to be something quite practical. It's a, it's a problem because you want to feed birds, but you don't want the squirrels stealing all the nuts. Yeah. It's not that kind of video at all. <laughs> Instead, this, this should really be called Squirrel Ninja Warrior Course. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, so what this chap has done is, because of lockdown, he set up a bird feeder and he noticed that squirrels kept on stealing the walnuts or whatever. Right. And so he thought, right, I'm going to have a bit of fun. I'm going to give the squirrels more and more of a challenge. And he ended up with this huge assault course, which the squirrels had to complete in order to get the nuts. I'm looking at it now. It's incredible. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. <laughs> and there's a variety of ways and challenges for the squirrels, which they have to complete in order to get to their nuts, in what he stresses is a squirrel-friendly fashion. Um, some of them include, for instance, I, I, I remember the home wrecker, and the home wrecker stage is where there's like a stuffed uh, toy squirrel <laughs> with a blonde wig and wearing a bikini. <laughs> no, there isn't. There is. And if the squirrel stops by it for too long, there's a pressure sensor underneath it, and it gently flicks the squirrel up into the air. Gently. Um, yeah, well, you just he, put that in so you don't no, look no. cruel. I, I believe in this. He does stress this over and over again, and he shows you the video in slow motion of how the squirrels so affect. It's quite interesting, actually, how both squirrels and cats manage to land quite safely from remarkable distances. So, so, so there's that. There's another one, which is a bit like when you go to the British seaside, you might find... Um, one of those sort of uh, stand-up placard things with a hole cut out for your head. Mm -hmm. You stick your head through and suddenly you're a fat lady or something like that and you get your photograph taken. Well, he's built one of those for the squirrels and incentivized them with a nut 
to stick their head through, <laughs> and so he can then take their photograph. There's all manner of things like this. Oh, my and God. I have to say, squirrels are incredible things. So if you haven't already seen Mark Rober's perfect squirrel-proof bird feeder video, I would recommend it because it is my pick of the week. Do you know what? It's a serious problem, Graham. Like, seriously. My parents, my whole childhood, that was one of the big concerns in our wood where we lived, was how to protect the bird seeds from the plethora of squirrels. Oh, I thought you meant I thought you meant home wrecker squirrels uh, ruining relationships. <laughs> I thought you meant, so. I'm just saying it's a real problem that people face every it day. It is. It is. Surely, surely drones are the answer. Oh, really? How just, would you do you, that? You hang your bird feeder from a drone and you, you fly it up in the air and then the squirrels can't get at it. <laughs> All while decapitating all the birds. <laughs> well, no, the, bird, the birds fly in from underneath or, you know, the, the drone has little guards around its blades. Okay. I'm glad you're not in charge. Just saying. <laughs> John, what is your pick of the week? Ah, uh, So I wanted to talk about a TV show called Dark. Oh, this sounds fun. <laughs> Pretty sure has been brought up on this show in the past. It rings a kind it of is, bell, actually. It's a, it's a great, great show. And season three came out uh, the other day at the weekend, I think. Oh. Apparently final season. Are you a big fan of uh, Dark? Absolutely love it. It's glorious. Remind us again what the show is about. So it's a German teen time travel thriller i guess you could call it it's a it's set in a in a small german town uh in the countryside and there's three or four families that we we focus on and some some kids have been going missing and one of them finds a spooky tunnel leading to the past and possibly the future um and from there it kind of builds and builds and builds and it, it becomes insanely complicated because we've got you've got these you've got this sort of 30 core people and you're seeing them as as small children, and then as teenagers, and as sort of middle aged and old people. But they're some of them are moving through these tunnels, and then some of them are also develop time travel machines, which they use to time travel, and then sometimes take the time travel machine through the time travel tunnel. <laughs> so, John, to keep keep track of what's going on in this TV show, have you got like flowcharts? Have you got an obsession wall? Oh, it, it is with pieces it, of it, string. It is the most <laughs> tempting show I've ever seen to go out and build an obsession wall. But I don't. I don't think you could do it on a wall. I think you would need some kind of five-dimensional thing. And there is actually there is an excellent so Netflix on Netflix, and they have built a website to go with it that you can you can. It's got a list of all the different people and all the interesting concepts. And as you arrive, you tell it which which episode you're up to, so you don't get any spoilers. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a cool idea. You say it's a German show. Is it dubbed or is it subtitled? Well, Netflix has been really pushing dubbing. They're trying to trying to make really? that come back again. So I, I've been watching it dubbed, but also subtitled, which is also part of the fun because I've no idea why they do this, but they have different writers, I guess, doing the, the dubbed yeah. part and the subtitled part. So you're watching and somebody might walk in and go, fuck you, motherfucker. And the subtitle says, you're not very nice. <laughs> it's, it's quite often this weird clashes between... <laughs> the two which is which is quite fun too ah. but um but yes the, the the website is actually probably vital especially if it's been a while since you saw season two because there's so many faces like each each character has at least three different faces and some of them are played by different people obviously because the child and the grandpa right. are the same person oh my goodness i think pretty much every episode ends with a little sort of montage scene where you you see all the different characters that have been in the episode and then it kind of merge it merges into 
into a face of what they were like <laughs> in a different period and stuff. So this is for people that have a lot of time on their hands, enjoy complicated plot structures, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and teen thriller type things. And, and time travel shows. And, and it's not a lot of time. I think it's only, it's like eight, eight part series or something. It's not very, very long. With three series. If, if it, yes. Well, yeah. Yes. I would say actually, yeah. If you've not seen any of it yet, I would thoroughly recommend trying to watch the whole thing in one weekend. What? <laughs> well, three series. 24 hours. Well, because otherwise, you, it's t- if, you, if you leave it a few days and you come back to it, you're suddenly scratching your head going, who's that guy again? Is that the granddad of that guy? Or is that the same guy, just a bit older? I don't know. Just watch it all at once, and it's much easier to remember. John, is, is your home life okay? <laughs> <laughs> just checking. Or use the, the, um, the online obsession wall, which is very useful. <laughs> fascinating (laughs) so that's the netflix series dark and the latest third series has just come out yes fantastic crow what's your pick of the week okay mine's an article and it's uh it all involves sherlock holmes and i think john you mentioned before that you're an avid fan i do i do love a bit of sherlock holmes right right Mm -hmm. right so i partly chose this article because i knew you were coming on the show so Let me just set the scene. Arthur Conan Doyle has an estate, right? And according to The Verge, the Arthur Conan Doyle estate is suing Netflix for giving Sherlock Holmes, the character in an upcoming uh, movie, too many feelings. For real, okay? So, Ilona Holmes, this is the character, is based on a series of novels by Nancy Springer, okay? Nothing to do with the Arthur Conan Doyle empire. Um, And it stars a newly created teenage sister of the famous detective, (laughs) right? And Netflix are going to do a movie of these novels. Now, the gist is the Sherlock Holmes books, 10 of them are still owned by the estate. The rest are now in, was Uh, it, publicly owned? Oh, I see. And the ones that the estate owns are those later in life. This is after Arthur Conan Doyle experienced World War I and lost a son. And this translate, the estate argues, into when Sherlock started showing a more human side because Arthur Mm. Conan Doyle had saw more of life. But in the earlier books, the ones that are available to everybody and are not subject to the estate copyright, features an unsympathetic, cold rationalist of a detective. Mm -hmm. And the problem is in the movie, Sherlock is portrayed to be a kindly, loving brother. Ipso facto, (laughs) they and the author and the publishers all need to pay up to the estate in order to portray Sherlock giving a shit. Oh, this is bullshit, isn't it? This, it's crazy. ridiculous. Anyway, so I just think it's a, it's a great story. It's written quite cutely from The Verge, <laughs> written by Addie Robertson. I will put a link in the show notes, um, and uh, I, you should enjoy it. <laughs> I think it sounds like it's going to be fun. And also, I've just opened the article. So the the actor playing Enola Holmes was um, Eleven from Stranger Things, another spooky teen sci-fi. There you go. Yes. Check it out, um, and, uh, you know, greedy estates, eh? Well, on that ridiculous note, I think we've just about wrapped up the show for this week. John, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. Unfortunately, they're not allowed. <laughs> you don't really exist online, do you, John? Uh, I try not to. Right, okay. 
See, you're so secure. John, you should start your own blog explaining how people can unplug and be cool. You know, I do have things plugged in. I just <laughs> don't like to shout about it. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter doesn't allow us to have a G. And you can also join us on our subreddit up on Reddit. Just look for Smash Insecurity. And don't forget, if you want to be sure never to miss another episode, subscribe in your favourite podcast app, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts. And huge thank yous, as always, from us for listening, for supporting us, for sharing our content, for liking it. It means the world to us. Also, Thank you to this week's Smashing Security sponsors, Authenticate and LastPass. Their support helps us give you this show for free. Check out smashingsecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details, and information on how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye-bye. Did you notice that we opened the show thanking a few of our wonderful Patreon supporters? From this show forward, we plan to thank each and every one of you that support us. It's just another way for us to say you humans really make a difference, and we salute you. Listen out for your Patreon name. Oh, and if you aren't yet a supporter and want to join the Smashing Security community, visit smashingsecurity.com forward slash Patreon. And thank you from the bottom of my heart, not Graham's because we're not sure he has one, right?